Numbers chapter 9. We're going to do verses 1 through 14 this morning. Let me read these verses for us. Here's the word of the Lord. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its statutes and all all its rules, you shall keep it. So Moses told the people of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover in the first month on the fourteenth day of the month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so the people of Israel did. And there were certain men who were unclean through touching a dead body, so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day, and those men said to him, We are unclean through touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? And Moses said to them, Wait, that I might hear what the Lord will command concerning you. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If any one of you or of your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month, on the fourteenth day at twilight, they shall keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break... Uh, nor break any of its bones, according to the statute for the Passover, they shall keep it. But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, according to the statute of the Passover and according to its rules, or rule, you shall, or so shall he do. You shall have one statute, both for the sojourner and for the native. Let's pray together. God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for Passover and for all that it means. And we pray, God, that you would help us um, to see and be encouraged by your kindness to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, the last few days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we went to um, Michigan, to my parents' house, and we always have a good time there, and um, a couple of my brothers were there, and one of my sisters, and their families, and it was, it's fun, it's always fun, and, um, and so, uh, the, the, uh, my, my brothers and sisters, almost all of them are quite a bit older than me, um, my oldest brother is 17 years older than me, and then on down, so they were all older as I was growing up, and, um, and they were... Uh, and so they always have, you know, interesting stories. Um, and and my, my children, usually every time we go to Michigan, and one of my children um, usually asks on the way back, so, so none of them thought you'd ever be a pastor, did they? And uh, no, no, they didn't. None of them thought I was going to be a pastor. They said, what about your, because I have an older brother who's a pastor in Michigan. What about him? Did they think he was going to be one? Well, yeah, because he was more... <laughs> He was a more of a, a pastor type, you know, kid when he was growing up. He was just a you know better behaved person. And uh, but yeah, I was a bit of a surprise when I um, <laughs> when I became a pastor. Really, when I did anything, I think I, I surprised them. Um, I I'm reminded every time I go, and I 
because you go and you visit your, your people that you grew up with, and you're just reminded of your, of your biography. You're just reminded of your story. And um, I am reminded once again of the, of the surprising kindness of God to me. God has been kind to me over and over and over and over. In so many different ways, God has chosen to be, to be kind um, to me. That's my baby. Just wait, I'll just wait for her to leave. We're good now. Next week, we're going to have nursery. Looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I would be this morning if God wasn't a God of surprising kindness. We're going to see this, this morning in this, cha- in this chapter, in these 14 verses, we're going to see three ways um, that God... Um, is surprisingly kind to his people. We're going to see God's, God's kindness in three different ways um, this morning. The first way we see his kindness is, is we see his kindness to those with a golden calf in their past. His kindness to those with a golden calf in their past. That's the first point of the sermon, the first way we see His kindness this morning. Uh, in verses 1-5, through five, we, we read and we saw how God is now sending His people a, a, a calendar reminder is what He's doing. I, I set calendar reminders on my phone. If I don't, then I'll forget to do whatever it is I'm supposed to do. So I get alerts two or three a day. Hey, you need to go do this. You need to meet this person at this place. You need to make sure you get this done. So I have these, my, my calendar on my phone is full of these little alerts, these little reminders of what I'm supposed to do at particular days at particular times. I'd be lost without it. This is what God is doing. He's, he's sending His people a calendar reminder. It's the, it's the first month of the second year. It's a, it's a calendar reminder. that The 14th day of the first month is coming up. Passover, the one year anniversary of Passover, is coming up. Passover is this wonderful, is this wonderful meal where a year earlier than this, a year earlier um, than this, the, uh, the people of God were enslaved in Egypt. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and God was, I'm sure you're familiar with the story, but I love to talk about it, so we're going to talk about it, even if you know it by heart. God was convincing hard-hearted Pharaoh to let the people go. God was sending plagues on Egypt, saying, if you don't let my people go, it's going to continue to get really bad for you. And, that, and he sent nine plagues, and they were all bad, but then the tenth plague that God sent on Egypt was the worst of all. God sent the destroyer, the, the angel of death, to, to take the firstborn son of every family living in Egypt. God gave Egypt nine warnings. And now we have this severe, severe plague. God sends this this destroyer, this, this angel of death to take the firstborn son of every family living in Egypt. Now that would have included the people of Israel because they were living in Egypt. But He says to His people, 
your firstborn sons will be safe if you do exactly what I tell you to do. You need to go and you get a spotless lamb. And you need to make sure that that lamb has no blemishes, no broken bones. And then you need to roast that lamb at twilight and you have to eat it. And then you need to spread the blood of that lamb on your doorpost to your house. This is what you have to do. You roast that lamb at twilight. You spread that blood on the doorpost to your house. And that night, when the destroyer comes and he sees the blood on your doorpost, he will pass over your house. And your firstborn son will be spared. And that's exactly what happened. And it had been a whole year. And when God was setting that meal up for those people, He said, you're going to, you're going to continue this Passover meal, this tradition. You're going to do this every single year. On this date, every year, you're going to remember the Passover together. You're going to remember that I am your rescuing God and you are my people. That I spared you from judgment. You, you are my people that I have rescued. So every year, they're going to have this meal. And so, so this is the first anniversary of it. This is the first time that they would have had this meal looking back. But the thing about God sending this reminder to the people right here is not only do we have just the fact that the Passover itself is, is God's mercy and kindness to His people, but it's, a, it's, it's ratcheted up a level here because, and it's, it's surprising that God would remind them of this meal because a lot has happened in this year. If we were to go back, and we, we, we won't, but if we were to go back and we would read all that happened between Exodus chapter 12, that first Passover, and, and Numbers chapter 9, we'd see a lot that happened. And most importantly, we'd see the golden calf. Not very long after God had rescued His people, um, and, and, and not very long after they swear a covenant with God saying, we will be faithful to you. Not long after all that, Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and you probably know this story pretty well there too. And Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and, and, and he's been there for a while, and the people start to get impatient, and so they build for themselves this golden calf. And they worship it, and they, and they feast, and they party, and they say, this is who rescued us from Egypt. It's an embarrassing mess. It's one of those, when you, when you read, if you're reading through the book of Exodus and you're reading slowly and you're thinking about all that God has done for His people, and, so, and this is like the, 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 the way that they repay Him. And it's just, you cringe. It's so embarrassing. It's, it's, it's such a mess. And yet, here is God saying, I will be with my people. I will have this Passover meal with my people. I will have this tabernacle so that I can be with my people. And I'm I'm going to invite them to this Passover meal and they will remember that I am their God who loves them. Who has rescued them. I am theirs and they are mine. 
we wouldn't be surprised if after after they the, 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 the golden calf debacle, after, after that embarrassing mess, after God has done all this for His people, and then this is how they repay Him with this golden calf, and it's just this, this mess. We wouldn't be surprised if He just permanently turns His back on them. But we are surprised when He says to them, it's Passover time. You are My people. Let's celebrate together. This is really good news for, for people with a golden calf in their past. We're not going to share stories this morning, but I bet, I bet you have some embarrassing stuff, some embarrassing sin in your past that you would hate for me to use as a sermon illustration. I've got some stuff I'm never using for sermon illustrations. Never. Ain't going to do it. Aren't we thankful this morning that that God gives us a second chance? Aren't we thankful this morning God doesn't say, okay, I'm done with you. God God is surprisingly kind to His people. It's the first way we see His kindness. We see it to people with a golden calf in their past. The second way we see it, we see His kindness to those who were unavoidably detained. Sort of the central meat of this passage starts in verse 6. And there are certain men who were unclean through touching a dead body so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day, and the men said to them, we are unclean through touching a dead body. They, They can't... They can't celebrate Passover because they were unclean. They touched a dead body. Most likely there was a funeral in their family. This is is unavoidable. This is unavoidable. This is not, not... They're not sinfully unclean. They're unclean just because of life. All right? Because of circumstances outside of their control. So, so what do we do, they say? Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? How, how can we get in on this? Why are we excluded? Isn't there, a, isn't there a loophole? And Moses said to them, wait that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. The Lord spoke to Moses, and here we have the surprising kindness of God once again. He says, speak to the people of Israel, saying, if any one of you or of your descendants is unclean, through touching a dead body, or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month, on the 14th day, at twilight, they shall keep it. God's giving them an alternate date. He said the the rules are the same. They they shall keep it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break any of its bones. According to all the statute for the Passover, they shall keep it. So there's a Exodus chapter 12. There's a lot of details, 12 and 13. There's a lot of details on just how this Passover meal had to go down. And and they they have to keep the, the details of this. But God is giving them, in His kindness, an alternate date. This is interesting. Because, I mean, in our lives... We can set up alternate dates whenever we want to. Like if, if July 4th happens on a Wednesday, a town can do fireworks on a Friday or on a Saturday. It's not, I mean, it's fine. 
I mean, as long as, you know, it's fine. But it's, it's fine. You can, you, you can do your July 4th picnic and parade and whatever, whatever day you want to do it. My, my wife and I have never, I don't think we've ever celebrated our anniversary or either of our birthdays on the actual date. We build our life around our children's calendar, and so we, we just kind of, we go and have our celebrations whenever we can. We had our anniversary getaway like in like a month early this year just because it's what worked out best. And by the way, I mean, speaking of 4th of July, the, the Declaration, Declaration of Independence was actually declared on July 2nd. Congress approved it on July 4th, but it wasn't even signed until August 2nd. And the first shot of the Revolutionary War was actually April 19th, a year earlier. And I say all this to say you could have fireworks like all year long if you really wanted to. If you wanted a patriotic reason to blow stuff up, I mean, you can, I've got dates for you, okay? But the Passover didn't work that way. You couldn't just celebrate it what worked best. You couldn't say, you know what, we, it's got to be a Saturday because that works best for my family. It's got to be a Friday. It's got to be, you know, my, I'm, we're going to be out of town. Oh, my kid's got a game. Like, we have, no, no, we're going to be, no, we got to, let's do it this day. Okay, that works for everybody? Okay, good. No, you can't do that with the Passover. The Passover wasn't a civic holiday, and it wasn't a family uh, um, anniversary or birthday the, the Passover was ordained by God for a very specific day because of a very specific purpose. It was to commemorate the exact day when He spared them from judgment. And so this is where, again, we see God's surprising kindness. Because He doesn't... He, he doesn't punish those who were unavoidably detained. He doesn't just keep them out. Well, you were unclean. Someone in your family died. Nothing you could do about it, but oh well, you can't, you, you can't celebrate Passover. No, God doesn't do that. And He also even throws in there if you were on a long journey. Because back then, of course, travel was way different than it is now. And so if, you, if, if I get delayed in a, in, a, in a trip now, I'm delayed by like a few hours, right? Or uh, uh, maybe even a whole day if my flight gets canceled or something and I have to spend the night at the airport or something. But, but back then, you could, you could run into all kinds of problems and your trip, your return date could be delayed by a month. So if, some, if that happens to someone, this unavoidable there's unavoidable circumstances in their life, God gives them an alternate date. I want you guys to think about this. God, God doesn't give us His rules and regulations. He doesn't give us the, these, these Sabbath laws. He doesn't do this. this he, doesn't, he doesn't give us these Passover laws. He doesn't do this to His people to keep them out. He set up the Passover to bring people in. See, in the New Testament, the Pharisees get this all wrong, don't they? Have you noticed how in the, in the, in the New Testament, the Pharisees use the laws of God to keep people out? They see, it, they see it completely wrong. God's heart for the Passover is to bring His people in so that they can be sheltered under His protection, under His love. They, they celebrate the, the Passover so they won't have to bear their sin, it says. He wants people in. 
That's the spirit of His laws to His people. He wants His people in. And this is even the people who sort of have the, the odds stacked against them. And I've, I've been thinking about this this week as well. Maybe this is your story. Maybe if you were to look at your life, you'd say, you know what? I am not the kind of person that, that should have ever been brought into the family of God. I'm not the kind of person who should have ever been introduced to the Gospel in the first place. And I'm not the kind of person who should have ever believed it in the first place. And, and not because you're necessarily way more sinful than someone else, but just because of the circumstances of your life, you're, you sort of had the odds stacked against you. Or maybe you know someone in your life, you know what, they're probably never going to believe the Gospel. They're, just, they're, they're, they're not wired that way. They're, they're, they, they've all, they have all this stuff in their past that sort of, that sort of biases them against church. It's, just, it's never going to happen. They're, they're, you know, it's, it's just never going to happen. The, 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 the Bible shows us something different, though. The, the Bible shows us that God loves to, to bring in those who have the odds stacked against them. I would encourage you this morning to, if you know people who it seems like never going to care about the Gospel, I encourage you to tell them about the Gospel. The people who say, eh, just, I, you know what, maybe it's a family member, I've talked to them every year at Christmas about it, and I'm not going to talk to them anymore, it's done. The Bible is full of the surprising kindness of God. The, the Bible is full of people that you would not expect to be saved, getting saved. God breaks through. The, the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, shines in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is what God does. This is who He is. He is a God of surprising kindness. Even to those who seems like first go around, they missed it. So we have the surprising kindness to those with a golden calf in their past, and we have surprising kindness to those who are unavoidably detained and then number three, we have His kindness to strangers like you and me. Verse 14, And if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the Passover to the Lord according to the statute of the Passover and according to its rule, so shall he do. You shall have one statute both for the sojourner and for the native. You and I are the strangers in this story, by the way. Stranger simply means foreigner. It means non-Israelite. It means a Gentile. It's you and me. And we see here what unfortunately gets missed too much in the Old Testament, but it's all over the Old Testament. It's not like God flipped a switch in the New Testament. The Old Testament we see God's love for the nations, for the world. To, to Abraham, God promised Abraham, this is generations before this chapter happens, that He promised Abraham that He would bless the whole world through His family. Through this family that becomes the Israelites here. God promised Abraham that He was going to bless the nations of the world through this family. 
And so now we're starting to get pictures of that here and there as we work through the Old Testament. And that's what this Passover is a picture of. God says, let's bring in everybody. If there's a stranger among you who wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, who wants to be sheltered under the protection of God, who wants to be counted among the people who are believing the promises of God, if there's a stranger among you, let him in. Let him in. So this Passover here, of course, is a... Is, the Passover meals in the Old Testament are always a look back, but they're always a look forward as well. From the very beginning, they were called a night of watching. They're a night of watching. They're a, they're a night of anticipation. So God built anticipation into Passover from the very beginning. And 1 Corinthians tells us that, that Jesus is our Passover lamb. First, and, and, and Jesus Himself says He's the Lamb of God. Jesus is our Passover Lamb. And so this, this little Passover story here, it points us to a day when the angel of death comes again. When judgment comes again. We, you, I love it when people talk about, and by love it, I mean Oh my word, are you kidding me right now? Um, I, I love it when people talk about like the Old Testament God being much more severe and harsh than the New Testament God. That's nuts! That's nuts! The Old Testament God is the same as the New Testament God. And the Old Testament hatred for sin is nothing compared to what's coming down the pike. Every bit of of harsh judgment on sin in the Old Testament is just, a, is just a taste of what's coming at the end. When the, when the New Testament God judges the world. This is, this is just a, a foreshadowing of, of this. People say, how could, how could God send the angel of death to, to Egypt and, and wipe out the firstborn sons? How could He do that? That's just a small glimmer of how much God hates sin. You're gonna, we're gonna see, we're gonna see it in all its magnitude at the end. Where, where, where God punishes everyone who hasn't found shelter in the Passover lamb. Where everyone who hasn't, hasn't found shelter in Jesus Christ, who hasn't said, the blood of Jesus Christ is my only hope to be spared. This is, this is a, there's a day coming when people from every nation, from every language, are going to say, all the strangers, all the strangers are going to be in. All the, all the people who had not received mercy, they're going to have received mercy. And they're going to be in. All the strangers are going to be in. And, and all of those at the end, when, when God... Judges the living and the dead. At the end, when God judges everyone, all those who are sheltering under the blood of Jesus, all of them who are saying, the spotless Lamb of God is my only hope to be spared, all of those will be saved. And all those who have rejected that will be judged in hell forever. Let's not do this weird thing 
where we say God has softened since like Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, that God's softened. He's mellowed uh, in, his, <laughs> in his old age. No. My mom has mellowed in her old age. Her dog gets away with stuff I would have never got away with. My mom never let me just pee all over the carpet. I never wanted to, but she probably wouldn't have let me. My, my kids are all... all every, one of the things my kids say after we come home from visiting my parents, I can't believe your mom or dad ever yelled at you. That's because they treat you like you are wonderful. They somehow lost the doctrine of the depravity of man between having children and grandchildren. Somewhere along the line, their theology went down the toilet. They don't see you as the little sinners that you are. Also, I love you. They yelled. God doesn't mellow as the years go by. Let's not talk about God as if there's some vindictive God in the Old Testament and some nice, nice God in the New Testament. This is just a simple, a simple foreshadowing of what judgment in the end is going to be like. And God, in His kindness, has brought in strangers like you and me. Let's be thankful. All right. A couple of ways we can respond to the surprising kindness of God. There's a couple of ways we can, we can respond to the surprising kindness of God. Uh, number one, we take that chance that we're given. We, we, we accept the kindness that God gives us. Verse 13, But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. So we have to understand that yes, God is kind. He is, he is very kind. He is kind in the Old Testament. He is kind in the New Testament. God doesn't change. He is kind. But His patience runs out. His patience runs out. And if you don't shelter yourself under the Passover lamb, you will be cut off from the people of God. You will bear your sin. You won't be counted among those who have received mercy. That's how it was in the Old Testament. It's how it is in the New Testament. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then please do it now. Yes, God is kind. Yes, He is long-suffering. Yes, He is patient. But it runs out. There is, a, there is an expiration date. Do not presume upon the grace of God. If you've never trusted Jesus, do so right now. Don't delay. Please. And again, if you have questions about that, please come find me. We'll talk. There's nothing more important than, than having that conversation. And then secondly, that's the first way we have to respond to the kindness of God. We have to. We, we have to. And then, and then secondly, we, we eagerly submit to the Word of God. We, we eagerly submit to the Word of God. So this passage is full of obedience. In fact, chapters 1 through um, 10... They're, they're, they're pretty happy in the book of Numbers. There's a lot of, a, lot of, a lot of the people 
listening to the Word of God and obeying the Word of God. Numbers chapters 1 through 10, pretty good stuff. Um, In a couple weeks, we'll get to chapter 11. The wheels just start falling off. But, for right now, it's a lot of obedience. And that's what we see in this passage. We We see the people wanting to know what God wants them to do and then doing it. Even the people who... And I, and I, because I love this exchange between the people who were... Una, they were unavoidably detained. They were not able to come and, and celebrate Passover. They weren't able to. They didn't, they didn't have a chance to. They were, they, were, they were providentially hindered, you could say. So they couldn't come to Passover. And so Moses, though, when they come to Moses, Moses doesn't say just, well, you, you really want to, so let's just have our own little Passover meal here. No, Moses doesn't do that. Moses doesn't say, well, you're sincere, so, you know, let's just kind of, uh, let's just figure something out. No. Moses says, let's go and see what God has to say. This whole passage is about, is about finding out what God has to say and then doing it. And, and as I close this morning, let's, let's get this into our heads. By the grace of God, let's understand this. That, that that is a sign that we have been saved by the surprising kindness of God. That, that, that desire to obey the Word of God, that's a sign that the surprising kindness of God is, has infiltrated us, has impacted us. It's a sign that we've been joyfully surprised by the kindness of God. Over and over and over in Scripture, we see in various ways that, that as Romans chapter 2 says, God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Those who understand the kindness of God, they repent, which means that, that they turn away from their sin. They turn away from things that are against God's Word. They fight hard against that by God's grace. They, they work hard at obeying the Word of God. This is a clear sign in Scripture that we have been changed that God, the God who, who has, says, has said, let light shine out of darkness, has, has shown the gospel into our hearts. It's a, it's a sign that we have been saved by the kindness of God. We want to obey the Word of God. When people talk to me uh, about, about the fact that they think that, oh, this, this loved one of mine, this son, this daughter, this friend of mine, I think they're saved because, you know, they prayed a prayer or they were baptized or something like that. They, I, I think that they're probably saved. But then you see in their life that they don't care about coming to church. They don't, they don't care about following God. They don't care about, about being part of a... They, they, they don't care about, about submitting to the Word of God. Their, their life is openly... is openly against the Word of God. They're choosing a lifestyle that, that Scripture forbids. They're, they're choosing a habit that Scripture forbids. And there's, there's no fight against it. Of course we get caught in sin. Of course we do. And of course we, we, we are sometimes blind to our, our own sin. And, and sometimes we stumble around. And yes, sometimes it is hard to fight our way out of it. But if there's just this acceptance, yeah, Scripture says that I shouldn't live this way, but I'm going to anyhow because I really want to. If there's just this acceptance of it, it's a bad sign. It's a bad sign. There's no desire to be part of a church, to be growing with other people. And of course, I understand that in this in this moment in our history, we can't, we, there's, there's many of us who can't be here 
because of health concerns. And I understand all of that. But if we're not, again, providentially hindered, if, we're, if, if we are able to, to, to connect with other believers and to care for other believers and to submit to the Word of God together, if, we, if there's no love for, for, for other Christians, it's a bad sign. This, these 14 verses, they're about being, being thankful for the kindness of God and then that thankfulness compelling us to obey His Word, to do life the way He wants us to do it. Maybe, and I am done now. Look at, look at, closing it. Whoop. It's done. Maybe this morning there's a way in which God is being kind to you. Maybe, maybe this morning you have a, a, a sin in your life that you know you should fight against and there's a, there's a desire to fight against it, but you just really haven't. You just haven't done it. You haven't repented of it. You haven't gone hard against it. You haven't, you haven't sought accountability. You haven't sought prayer. You haven't started to walk in the light with it. Please understand that right now, God is being kind to you. I mean, He could be wrecking your life over this, and He's not. He's giving you a second chance. Don't presume upon the grace of God. If there's something in your life that you need to fight against, if there's some, if there's some way in your life where you need to eagerly submit to the Word of God, where you need to say, God has been so kind to me, for that and for many other reasons, He deserves my obedience and my worship and my submission. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't just assume that the kindness of God will just always be there. And once again, if if you're not a believer, if you're not trusting in the Passover Lamb, please put your faith in Jesus today. Aren't we thankful for the kindness of God? Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your kindness to us. I thank You for Your kindness to me. There's so many times where You would have been completely, completely justified in just squashing me like a bug. And yet You have been kind to me over and over and over again. I pray, God, that as I go through my days, You will remind me just how, just how surprisingly kind You have been. And that You will, you will use that. The, the reality of Your kindness, You will use that to, to spur me on 
to good works, to, to, a, to a, a life of, of finding out what your word has to say, searching your scripture and learning your holy word and then submitting my life to it. I pray that you would do that in my heart and in my life. I pray that you do that in, in the hearts and lives of all of us by your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.